She's so tall that she didn't need this little box that I just stepped up on. I'll tell you why I have this little step that I had, because I was like this. <clears throat> I am so happy to be here. I'm so happy um, that each one of you showed up, because, um, you know, this is one of the topics that... Um, that most of us would like to learn about, most of us would like to do, but uh, most of us would say easier said than done. Who, who would say that? Yeah. So um, thank you for coming. You know, we were, we were talking before um, in the office about fasting. Fasting is easier said than done, right? Right? And yet it's, it's something that, uh, when we hear stories of people fasting, that sometimes there's just incredible results in someone's life. So we're going to be talking about the Lord of the harvest, but bringing it down where the rubber meets the road, because tonight is going to be about working the harvest. Does everyone have a handout? Hold up your handouts. Do you have a pen? This is really important for you to have a pen tonight because I'm a great believer in connecting. I, I believe that there's lots of ways that we learn. I'm a visual learner, and so uh, I have to see, and um, that's why I don't listen to the Bible much. Uh, I, I, I like to read. I like to look at the words. That's why I bring handouts because I want you to look at the Scripture on the page, and then um, with a pen, if you have a pen, hold it up. If you don't have a pen, hold your hand up. Do you need a pen? This lady over here, a few people need pens. Could someone loan her a pen? Very critical tonight because we're going to dig in. Um, the word of God is your food, right? Who would agree with that? Your soul food, your spirit food. One person agrees. And the rest would say, me too. Okay, good for you. So um, I'm a big, uh, my Bibles are usually a mess. I write them. I have post-it notes. I uh, write in the margins. And this is why. Because the Bible, the Word of God is our food. And I take my, my um, pen and that's my fork. When I connect with the Word of God, there's a kinesthetic energy where I not just see it, I not just hear it from my heart, I'm connecting with it. And so we need to do that tonight. So tonight, um, you can write this down or just lock it into your brain. We're going to get uh, practical. So first of all, we're going to talk about some principles, and then we're going to actually see some pictures. What does it look like in girl world? Not some fancy professional um, that's slick and knows all the answers just like that. In girl world, in, in the world that we live, in, in the places that we go, in the people that we bump into, you know, we are called. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at principles. We're going to look at pictures. And then we're going to look at some practical tools, because that's going to help us a lot if we have tools to use, okay? So let's close our eyes. Lord, we, um, we thank you that you are the Lord of harvest, 
Because if you weren't, I know for me, I wouldn't be here. I, w- I just wouldn't be here. I'd be in some lost, forlorn place. Maybe not on the outside, but I sure would be on the inside. And God, I thank you for this, this beautiful sea of faces. And Lord, we, we're the fruit. We're the fruit of the harvest. And so tonight, we pray, Lord, that you would stir our heart, God. Help us to see what you see and to look at people the way that you look at people. For we pray in Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. So, the title of our little worksheet and our topic tonight is Working the Harvest. And the first little subtitle that we have starts with the word, what? Confidence. That's what we need, right? Who will say that? Confidence, right? And that's sometimes what we're lacking, right? So we need confidence, don't we? But the first place we need to put our confidence in is the Savior and and the Holy Spirit. You know, they are so capable. And we need to be confident of, of them and of that and of their heart for this lost world. Is this world getting dark? Who would say amen to that? Is it getting scary to you? So scary, the darkness just seems to crank up exponentially. But I know for sure, when I am at a very dark place where there's no artificial light, and I look straight up, you know what? I see stars. And I believe that God is in the business of showing that contrast. The darker the night, the brighter the light. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. I'm getting a little ahead of myself because now we need to look confidence in the Savior and the Spirit. Jesus said, and I just believe that, that right now you need to just, just tune the world out and be there where he said this. Jesus in his resurrected body, in his resurrected body, he was no longer Just Jesus, the sweet guy, Jesus, the good shepherd, Jesus, the friend that you hang out with, to his disciples, he had conquered death. He was the risen savior. And I believe with all of my heart, when they saw him, he was like steely. He was like mighty. He was not meek anymore. And one of his last meetings with his disciples, he said powerful words. And he said, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. And that's profound. All authority in heaven and earth is mine, is given to me. And in verse 19 starts out with the word, therefore. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. This is one of my most favorite, powerful, I love this scripture 
uh, verses because it has three things that are so important to us, to us. Jesus, he must have looked at each of his disciples as I believe that he wants to look to each of us today, tonight. Look us in the eye and say, I have authority. In heaven, the angels obey me. On earth, when, the, when I tell the sun to rise, it rises. And then he looked at the disciples and basically, I think he was saying, and now I'm asking, do I have authority over you? Child to God, am I your king of kings? Am I your lord of lords? Am I the boss of you? And there's only, there's only two answers, right? One of them would be yes, and one of them would be no. Simple as that to me. And, and I like it because I like clear definitions. And if I have authority of you over you, there's a therefore. There's a therefore in all areas of the walks of life. But in this particular one, it's something that we can scoot under the carpet. And, and we miss, we miss the great adventure of being one of his. I believe it with all of my heart. I love that he has authority over me. Because when I'm weak, when I fail, when I struggle, when I'm fearful, I can default there. So he has authority. And then he says, I'm sending you. You know what I want to say? Lucky us. That's what I say. Lucky us. It is such a huge privilege. I don't know why. Tell me. Trust me. I don't know why he would choose us. If he wanted the gospels preached just perfectly every time, he'd probably send angels. But for some reason, known only to our great God, he did choose ordinary people like us. The disciples that he was, he was speaking to at that moment, you know what? At that moment, they were the greatest example of a failed discipleship program on the face of the earth. You know? But that comforts me. Because it's never over till it's over, right? Right? It's them he was inviting to this great adventure. So number one, he has authority. Love it. Number two, he says, I'm sending you. And number three... And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. We're never alone. We're never alone. You think the preaching of the gospel's on us? You think? Oh, my goodness. The Lord is busy day and night. Psalm 19 is one of my favorite psalms. The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens shout out. This glory of God, I must read it to you because it's so profound. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Now, not just at the beginning of the 1990s when the Iron Curtain had just fell. We started going to Russia. 
And in my entire life, as a child and as an adult, um, we had viewed the Russians as our enemies, and they hated us, and, and we feared them. And, and all of a sudden, the doors opened, and they were starving to death for the gospel. And I was walking with two teenage girls one day, and I said, so what did it feel like to grow up not, not uh, just believing there was no God? They stopped right on the sidewalk, and they looked at me like I, I'd just come from the moon or something. They said, what? We always believed in God. I said, really? Uh, I, I said, so, so what was that like? They said, we always prayed. I said, you always prayed to God? They said, yes, every night as little children, we would get on our knees and we would pray that the Americans wouldn't come and bomb us. Yeah, the heavens declare the glory of God. I'm going to tell my testimony now. When I was 18 years old, uh, my first class at junior college was philosophy of world religion. First day of class, the, uh, the instructor held up a Bible. He said, does anyone believe in this book? Well, um, I had one. It had a little zipper, a little white zipper Bible. And I'd never unzipped it, but I, I had one. So, so I raised my hand. I believe in this book because I generally I believed in God. And he said, it's my stated goal that no one at the end of this class will believe in this book. Because religion is all about you finding your real self, finding your destiny and who you are. Well, I was 18. I really did think that the world was about me. <laughs> and and um, so as soon as the class, the, the semester was all over. I uh, took all the money I'd ever had in my bank. I quit my job, and I left home and traveled for the next two years, all over, to the depths of Mexico, lived on the beaches, lived on the sand, traveled up to Northern California, just all over, to New Jersey. I mean, like, why? But, um, but at the end of those two, I studied all the Eastern religions, which he had introduced me to. And at the end of two years, it was the darkest two years of my entire life. And I was walking then again on the beach in the southern part of Mexico. And a sunset was so powerful. It was like shocking to me. And it like pushed me to my knees. It was so strong, this sunset. And I just fell to my knees, and I looked up, and I said, God, I know that you're real, and I don't know you. The heavens declare. The heavens declare. God is in the business of speaking to lost souls. A week later, I was back in the United States. I was at a wedding of a high school friend, a high school girl that I had gone to school with. I'd never seen her at a party that I went to, and I went to many. She saw me across the room, and she walked straight toward me. And she was handing, holding a little track, and she looked me straight in the eye, and she said, Debbie, you're looking for Jesus. And I said, Oh, really? Oh, really? I am so beyond that. I have found nirvana. 
But here's, here's what I was like on the outside. This story is very, very important. That's what I did on the outside. I made her feel stupid, like a fool. On the inside, my inner voice was saying, Debbie, you are such a moron. You've got nothing. You've got nothing. You are so confused. You've got no love to give. You've got no answers for anybody. You are a moron. I made her feel like a fool. Shrugged her shoulders, walked away. Principle number one, write this down. God does not require you to be successful. He only requires you to be faithful. To be faithful. She was faithful. God had put me on her heart. And she had walked right in that room full of our high school friends and spoken what God needed to say to me. I'm looking for Jesus. I walked away from that wedding. And for the next month, it was the darkest month. Everything, the bottom fell out of my world in the next month. But I'll tell you those words, you're looking for Jesus, you're looking for Jesus, you're looking for Jesus, came across my heart like 50 times. One month later, I ran into some Christians. They shared the whole gospel. And I prayed. And I asked Jesus into every place of my heart because my heart was as empty as a tomb. And he came in, and glory to God, I opened my eyes, and I was a different person. Never be afraid of their faces. Maybe you have somebody that's really, really hard to reach in your, in your world. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your sister. And you've gotten up courage, and you've shared. I have a really good friend. Her name's Carol Wilde. She lives on the East Coast, but she was originally from England. And in the um, 1960s, she was a rocker. Do you know what a rocker is? Probably not. Um, she was in the, the Beatles set. Her, her husband was uh, a musician. They weren't famous like the Beatles, but they were in that kind of nightclub look, short skirts, big hair. And um, somebody invited them to a Bible study. She didn't, she didn't want to go. Her husband wanted to go. And this man sat in a chair across from them and started sharing the gospel. She leaned over right in his face and said, I do not believe one word that you are saying. She picked up her chair and turned it entirely around where her back was at this man. Whoa. That's rejection. That's rejection. How would you feel? You know what he did? He invited her and her husband to come to Bible study the next night. And she walked out of that room like, never. He wanted to go the next night. They both went back. The next night they came to know Jesus. She is one of the dearest women on the face of the earth. And teaches conferences all over this country. And is a pastor's wife in Florida. Well, she started having a burden for her, for her father. Growing up, she was very, very close to her father. But her father was a hard, hard coal miner. And um, so she started sharing. She just loved him. And she started sharing that, that Jesus had changed her life. I mean, she quite to her surprise, really. 
that Jesus had changed her life, given her hope, given her peace, given her joy she had never dreamed about. And he just shut her down, shut her down. Through the next few years, she would keep trying, and he started cursing at her, cursing at her to stop sharing that. I don't, I don't want to hear it. Until she just gave up. But when he was on his deathbed, she just knew she had to go one more time. And she went into the hospital room and she said, Dad, I know that you have heard me share this this many times, but I love you so much. And I just one more time, I have to share with you that Jesus loves you. And he turned over in his bed and he looked at her with tears in his eyes and he said, Carol, I always believed every word that you said. And right there on his deathbed, he accepted the Savior. And sometimes we, we, we look at the outside of someone and we think that they will never be reached. They never be reached. But here's a, a statistic that you have to know. I believe it's Billy Graham that, um, that compiled the statistic. It, it, please write this down. 7.6. 7.6. On the average, people that come to know Jesus, it took 7.6 times for the gospel to be shared on a personal level. 7.6. So, when you share, when you share, it may be one. The first time they've ever really heard about Jesus. Anybody's really stepped out and been bold. And even in a simple way. But you might be 7.1. You might be this close. In the case of Susie Kintig, who, who was my little friend that walked up and was so bold, she was 6.6. It took one more time and I was over the line. Hook, line, and sinker. Never look back. Never will look back. I'm so thankful for her. I'm going to share some, some more stories, but we need to look at the next principle. Second Corinthians 3, verses 3 through 5. I was reading my one-year Bible yesterday, and I felt like this was a message that God wants you to hear tonight. Second Corinthians. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything of ourselves, but our competence comes from God. This is an important thing, and I feel like God wanted to say this to you tonight. First of all, you need to let him write his story in you. And that's why I am a maniac about being in God's word. I love Bible study. Last night was, was the beginning of Bible study for us at our church. And that's wonderful. I'm so excited about it. But truthfully, in addition, I need me and God time every single day. 
I need to write him to write his heart on my heart. I need to hear his voice every day. I need that. And when all that is in you, I'm telling you what? It can't, but helps but spill out. A full cup spills out. If we're empty, we got nothing to give. And that's the honest truth. We need to sometimes kneel down and just lift our hands. Lord, fill me with the spirit. Because sometimes we leak, right? Life is so hard. It's so complicated. We need him to write his story. But here's the principle that goes along with the next two principles. The shine and the show. The shine is what Jesus said. Said, um, you are the light of the world. Everyone look up at me. Jesus said he's the light of the world, right? But then he said, you are. You are the light of the world. I'm telling you what. Some of you, you're the only light of Jesus some people have. And that's the honest truth. You are the light of the world, he said. A town set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone who is in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine that men will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Sometimes we share the gospel with words. And sometimes it's just a powerful thing to see a shiny Christian. It totally is. The biggest compliment that I ever hear said when somebody's telling their their testimony of how they came to Christ. And they talk about a Christian they worked with. Or somebody in their family. Or somebody in their neighborhood. That every time they were with that person. They said, I want what she has. I want what she has. Just shine. I heard a powerful story last week. I was in New New Mexico. The pastor of one of the churches in New Mexico uh, was raised by a single mom who at one time married uh, a young man and then left him. Well, um, this pastor was 12 then, and he said, Mom, bye. I'm staying with this guy. And, and this young man raised, continued to raise him to be an adult. And when he was an adult, a young adult, he came to Christ. And he started sharing with his, he called his stepdad his dad. It was the only dad he ever knew. He shared and shared and shared Christ. And his dad would politely listen, but, but, but never would say that prayer. Ten days ago, that dad was driving in a hilly road in Northern California, and there were some 20-year-olds that went over their lane, head-on collision. This man did not have airbags in his car. The whole engine came and crushed his chest in a big old van. There was a young man from Calvary Chapel, Chico, driving, just came upon the accident just right after it. 
And he saw that the, that the van was just a mess and he looked in the window and he just hammered, hammered, hammered until he broke open the, the back doors of that van and he crawled through the rubble till he got to that man that was dying and he took him in his arms and he held him for 45 minutes till the paramedics arrived and he prayed over him. He prayed over that man. And that young man, that young man, I don't know, maybe he was 18, maybe he was 20. He said he had never felt the presence of the Lord like that in that van. He didn't know who that was or who had been praying for him for 30 years. And you know what? Some other Christians came came upon the accident. They parked their car. They got out of their car and they made a line. And they kneeled and they prayed. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's shining. You know what? This is a hard world we live in. Bad things happen. And God sometimes just has us strategically placed. And we should just step into those moments. I have a friend. And her daughter was in a horrible accident. They were called uh, to go to the hospital. They rushed there. They didn't know how bad it was from their daughter about their daughter, but their daughter was dying. And as they stood waiting for the news, for the doctor to come out, some random woman they had never seen before walked up to my friend Janie, laid her hand on Janie's shoulder, and started praying in Spanish. My friend Janie is as white as a white girl can ever be. I mean, she is white. There's no reason that that Spanish-speaking woman should have any idea that Janie would speak Spanish. Janie was raised on the mission field in a Spanish-speaking country. She knew exactly what the prayers were. That's a powerful moment. Stepping in. Just shine. Just shine. You are the salt of the earth. If salt has lost its flavor, how will it be seasoned? It's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Never forget how important your witness is. I worked in a big real estate office for many, many years. And there was one woman, and she was a Christian, and she was so verbal about her faith, always talking about church, always talking about Jesus. But I'm telling you, she was the worst real estate agent in our city. (laughs) You could not trust a thing that she ever said. I mean, I loved her. She was my friend. And one day I just walked into her office, and I closed the door, and I said, Arlene, Could you just stop telling people you're a Christian? Because people don't trust you. You don't do right by people. And that's just wrong. We need to be salty. We need to be salty. We need taste like Jesus. I heard of an evangelist. He wasn't a Billy Graham kind of caliber evangelist, but he did... Revival meetings in different cities, and he was in Seattle. 
And um, on the day of, of a crusade, he decided to just ride the bus around Seattle to see the city. He got in the bus and gave the driver his money and and got his change and went back to sit in the bus. And he noticed um, that the bus driver had given him far too much change. And so as he got off the bus, he handed the change back to um, the bus driver. It was quite a bit, actually. And he said, excuse me, um, you gave me too much change. And the bus driver was belligerent. What? What? What do you mean? You don't have to give that back to me. And the man said, actually, um, actually, I do have to give it back to you. Um, and he said, why would you do that? And he said, well, well, I'm a Christian. And to honor my Lord, I, I would want to do that because that's honorable. And, and by the way, I, I, I'm sharing at a, a, a meeting tonight, and it's down the road, and I'd like to invite you to, to come tonight as my guest. And the bus driver leaned back in his seat, and he says, I know exactly who you are. I knew who you were when you got on this bus, and I gave you that change on purpose. We're writing the gospel a page every day by the things that we do and the words that we say. People read what we write whether faithful or true. So exactly what is the gospel according to you? So all of us in this room, who has somebody that you've prayed for, would come to the Lord? Seven of you. How many have somebody in your life that you care about who is not saved? Who, who, who in this room has that unsaved person that you would love? Do you ever pray that somebody would go minister to them? Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes we have to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. read a story about a young man, and he was discharged from the military, and um, he was hitchhiking home. He lived in, in Texas. He was hitchhiking home. He had his duffel bag, still had his uniform on, and um, so he's on the road like this, and this big car pulled over to the side of the road, and uh, a gray-haired, distinguished gentleman leaned over, opened the door. <clears throat> He's kind of nervous and um, didn't know if really that was an invitation to get in, but the, the man said, yeah, come on in. Where are you going, young man? And he said, well, well, I'm going home. And he told him the city, and he said, well, you're in luck today. I'm driving to Dallas. I have a business there, and I'll take you all the way there. I'll drop you off on my way. So as they were driving around uh, along, this young man was a Christian. Uh, they chatted about everything, sports, weather, home, everything. And, and then he got a conviction on his heart that he just felt like, I should share the gospel with this, this man 
But, you know, it's kind of intimidating. He was just a young man, and here was this obviously very rich, successful businessman. And But the prompting kept coming, and they were getting closer to where he was going to get dropped off. And he said, and the man's name was Mr. Hanover, and he said, Mr. Hanover, um, I thank you very much for this ride, and I just really feel like I have to share something with you today. And I'm a Christian. And um, I'd like to share with you how much God loves you and how much he's done in my life. He's meant so much to me. And and um, there was a time I didn't know him. And, and someone shared just like this. I accepted it in my heart. And he completely forgave me and gave me a new life. And the old man just just was silent. And then he pulled over to the side of the road. And the young man said, oh, brother. So (laughs) this didn't go so well, right? He's going to drop me off at the curb here. And quite to his surprise, this distinguished gentleman put his head on the steering wheel and started to sob. Just started to sob. And he said, "I, I I know you were supposed to speak today. And I know that I need God. And he let that young man lead him to the Lord right there in his car. So then pulled back on the road and dropped him off, gave him his business card, said, come and see me sometime when you're in Dallas. A few years later, the young man did. He found the cards. He was going to go to Dallas on business. And he went to the Hanover building, great big tall building, went up the elevator, went to the offices, and went to the secretary. I, Excuse me, I, I'd like to see Mr. Hanover. I met him a while back. I have his card. And the secretary said, well, th- that's impossible, but his wife is in. So she showed him into the wife's office, and, and um, he said she was pretty distinguished, too, big office, and she welcomed him, and so you, so you, you know my husband. You've met my husband. Yeah, yes, ma'am, I, I did. So when did you meet him? And well, he he remembered the day because it was the day he was discharged. And she said, "Really, really." So um, did he say anything to you, and anything unusual? And again, his heart started pound. Should he tell her? Maybe he came home and he was changed and now they're divorced or something. But again, the conviction that he should be honest. And he said, well, well, yes, as a matter of fact, ma'am, I'm, I'm a Christian. And I just really felt like I needed to share Christ with him. And as a matter of fact, he pulled over to the side of the road and, and accepted Jesus. At that, she... She started to sob uncontrollably. She said that day he didn't come home because shortly after he dropped you off, he was in a head-on collision, and he died. And I always believed God had promised me that my husband would come to know him. And that day when he died on the road, I thought God failed, and he didn't keep his promise. 
and he didn't break into my husband's heart. And that day, I stopped serving God. And you know, it's, it's just one of those stories. Sometimes we need to be the answer to somebody's prayer. And I wish it wasn't true, but God is seldom early. But I'll guarantee you, he is never late. He is never late. And I just want to say to you, I just wish I could tell you a thousand more stories. But I want to challenge you and encourage you. Fear is the thing that will keep us back, right? Fear of failure. Raise your hand. Come on. Just be honest. And you know what you need to say to fear? When God prompts your heart, and may he, if you pray for a divine appointment, I brought 200 Gospels with John. I had some stories that I didn't share about about sharing your faith. Can I just share one more tiny story? Just one tiny story. Um, I, um, this, is my, this is my weapon. This is my weapon. And I carry them everywhere. I um, was driving by, saw two blue-haired teenagers by the side of the road. And I had prayed for a divine appointment. And I turned my car around. And I went up to talk to them. And by the time I got back, he was screaming at her. And uh, she was hanging her head. And as I got out of my car, I go, what am I going to say? And I had two Gospels of John because I always have Gospels of John. And I took them. And I had an apple. And I took it. I walked up to them. And as I got close, they turned around and looked at me like they were expecting me. I said, excuse me, I don't know what you're going through right now. But I know that God put it on my heart to come over and tell you that he loves you. And that if you call out to him, he'll answer you. Because he promised. And in this book are all the answers of life. And if you just read it, he'll give you peace. And, he'll, and if you ask him in, he'll, he will. And I gave him the books. And then I said, and here's an apple. And all of a sudden, from two scary, blue-haired, raggedy-looking kids, you know what they look like? Somebody's son and daughter. That's what they look like to me. And you know what they said? Thank you. Thank you. Let's, let's bow our heads. Lord, we just thank you, God, that you love people. We thank you, Lord. We don't want fear to be the boss of us. We don't want fear to be the boss of us. God, we want you to be the boss of us. We want to shine, whether it's with words or with actions. And, Lord, we want to speak those words that someone sometimes just so desperately needs to hear. We pray this night that you would fill us with your spirit. 
that you would give us confidence, that we're never alone. When we step out of our comfort zone, we're not alone. When we share the words of life, they never go void. That we don't have to be successful. All we have to be is faithful. And so, Lord, we, we want to look up and see that the fields are white. And we want to say to you this very night, Lord, send us. Give us courage. Give us a heart for the lost. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And they all said, Amen. Amen. So...